0: We're back,
1: episode nine, <laughs> Corona Mania. Ugh, it's not over yet, man.
0: My wife asked me when I'm actually going to start to come over down to the home studio.
1: I mean, we—I thought about it last night when you stopped over to bring the my ladder back. It's like we—I have—we can start doing it in person anytime. I,
0: all right, you know, you're not worried. I, hell no.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, I've been working. I've been working and dealing with the public for the last sixty days. So I, you know, right. You coming over right. and, and sitting across the table from me is no no big worry. Just like you okay. know, don't lick the microphone or anything, and I will. No. we'll be safe.
0: Well, and that's funny because we have our we have now our own personalized microphone windscreen at work that we put into our little box with our last names on it's like we're in kindergarten again and we're putting things away in our cubby that's funny that that are only ours that we that we get dirty and nobody else can touch them because there's their worry about germs
1: i mean even my dad brought it up today we were talking about uh you know the high school sports season next year and he's like he's like you should think about investing in your own headset i'm like i don't know if i have to do that well let's we'll we'll cross that bridge in november (laughs) you know
0: like well, you're right, but not only that. It's like those—you're <laughs> one of maybe two, three people that maybe use that maximum. Right, right. I mean, it's—it's it's not like it's going through, you know, a cast of characters. We just got to
1: keep Coach O healthy, and I'm good to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: all right. Well, lead us off, man. I'm tired let's of this. let's get into it. We're. We've been going long oh, the last man. couple weeks so we'll we'll shorten it up I a little know. bit tonight. I am that's, surprised that's before we fine. start I, before we start though I am surprised yep. that that your wife Jane is anxious to get you out of the house for an hour uh once a week. That's that's good to know.
0: I think she's also just tired of me taking up one room and <laughs> and gabbing for 2 hours. Yeah. You know, about about 20 minutes before we start and then an hour and a half and then a couple minutes afterwards. So I think she'd rather if I if I'm going to do this I'd rather you know she'd rather be not be here tying up a room but Yeah
1: well whatever um, works I'm yeah. I'm good to go.
0: Well, 2 months without live sports and you and I had talked about this previously and I don't know whether it it was from a past episode or just in our conversation but I think it it's really interesting that you've got a couple of organizations that already have paths to being back golf NASCAR, and, and a lot of them, you know, they don't have near the infrastructure or complication with players or coaches or anything that, you know, like the NBA or uh, Major League Baseball or hockey does, but it, it, it seems like they got their shit together a lot quicker, and now there's could be contentious negotiation with baseball, even though the, the owners are talking about a 50-50 revenue split, and somehow the players say that's going to be an excuse after the collective bargaining agreement is up to put a salary cap in place. Maybe because, I, and I don't know, maybe they don't want to pay luxury tax, but there's so few teams that are doing that. I, I don't know, what what have you read or heard about this whole offer from the owners to the players to try and kick-start baseball?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's the unfortunate thing with all these leagues is that, it's not just worrying about the logistics and the safety and the testing and, and all the things that are kind of at the forefront of, of the general public's mind about bringing sports back, but it's the labor issues. And and it is the sticking point, unfortunately, with all these leagues. And, you know, I mean, we see it even in, in, in the nation's capital here during the coronavirus where you see – certain things from both sides where they're trying to grab something at a time when they feel like the other side might be vulnerable. And, you know, seeing that with baseball where they're talking about they're, 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 the players' union is complaining about a possible 50-50 split, would you rather it was a 0-0 split? Is that, is, I mean. is, is that like, better?
0: This is like the, 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 the biggest thing that the owners have pretty much ever done you know, to yeah. try and get back. And and, and as far as what they're, what they're giving up with concessions and parking and all the other in-stadium stuff that's going to be without fans, it's like, and I know players don't really care about, you know, ownership's problems necessarily, but it's like, you got to look at it from both sides. Like, it seems like they're already going to be out a ton of money, and they're just trying to salvage what they can for, you know, TV contracts and, and some other stuff. And they're still going to pay you you know, prorated stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I I just wish there was a, a little bit of rationale and reasoning from both ends of it rather than just, you know, excuses and worrying about stuff down the line
1: well and the problem is anytime you get labor lawyers involved and stuff like this they're you know it's combative by nature the players union and the owners are supposed to fight so these people that are in these meetings are just used to always fighting where it's like this is such a probably a once in a you know you hope a generation type of an issue where you have a uh a postponement of a season like this, you just got to figure out a way to get back on the field and start playing. So everybody can make some money. You're not going to make what you Mm. normally think you should make. Um, you know, the revenues are going to be down, especially if there's no fans. And, um, that's for all these leagues. Um, you know, players are just, they just got to suck it up. And, you know, I, I saw Jared Dudley from the NBA tweeted something out over the weekend, you know, The NBA players in general, and I think MLB players are the same, and I'm sure hockey is as well, like, they really want to get back on the field because these collective bargaining agreements that are bargained are typically not for the guys currently playing. You know, it usually is for, you know, the guys that are in the Major League Baseball that are collectively bargaining, usually, like, it's like the 18- and 19-year-olds that are in the minors right now are going to reap
0: those benefits, Right, you know, so when we like, finally get to the majors, that's one that's going to kick in. And, for sure. And
1: yeah. Like, Ryan Braun's not going to reap any benefits of, of no. anything that's collectively bargained right now in baseball because he's 37, he's going to be out of the league. But it's a big deal for Keston Hira, you know. Mm-hmm. So they need to get these guys back on the field, um, you know, worry about what the owners are going to do in the next bargaining when it comes around. It, it Now's not the time to be worrying about that, I, I just, you know, it take, you know, that's like you said, you got to see both sides. You almost got to see three sides. You got to see the player side, the owner side, and then everybody else who's involved, you know, think about all these workers and and people that whose livelihoods are dependent on these sports being there. So um, right. with, with baseball, it sounds like they want to do an 82-game season. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that the owners – uh, pres- or I think it was presented to the owners, and they, they okayed it, and now they have to yep. present it to the players. Um, it sounded like some kind of – it would be some kind of a regional thing where everybody's – I believe the way I understand it, everybody would play in their own park, but basically like the Brewers would play everybody in the NL Central, and then they would also play the AL Central.
0: Correct. Like they wouldn't leave the Midwest, right? Except, except for going down south. And of course, everybody would stay on the east. Everybody would stay on the west, and everybody would stay in the central part.
1: And of course, there's already been some whining.
0: Of course, you know there it's, is. it's
1: not fair to the Phillies that they have to play the Yankees and the Red Sox, and the Dodgers get to play the, you know, the Angels and the A. It's like again, this isn't going to be perfect.
0: Well, part of that also is is that they've agreed to expand the playoff format for an extra wild card round, so hopefully you get a little bit tougher schedule, but you also get a better chance of making the postseason. So there's a little bit of things to even out a little bit, so quit your bitching.
1: I mean, I am a 1,000% on board with an 82-game baseball season. I think that would yeah. be awesome. That's fine with me. All, all of a sudden, Every game all those games, more. yes, they mean more, and yep. – you know they're they're talking about maybe having to have some double headers to squeeze all this in. I think it'd be yep. I think it could be great. Um, I'm not sure. I think Fourth of July is kind of when it sounds like they'd like to get going. Um, yeah,
0: the kickstart weekend.
1: But uh, I don't know. I mean, at, at least at least MLB has presented a plan, which is more than. the NBA and the NHL have done. They've done a lot of this. Well, if this, then that. It's like, no, give me a plan or shut the fuck up. And that's, you know, (laughs) you said, you basically said that last week. Like, I'm tired of hearing about this. Well, we don't have to make a decision yet. And and you just keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah, I'm not expecting what you tell me today is your plan. I'm not expecting that to be 100% what happens in, Six weeks. But give me something other than a maybe. If right. I want to yeah. hear a bunch of maybes, I'll turn Dr. Fauci on, and he can tell me, well, maybe it might spike, and maybe it might. It's like, I don't want to hear any of this anymore. I'm tired of this. Give me the facts as they stand today, and I'll worry about six weeks when I get there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to the NBA um, in just a bit. One, one other bait note from this thing um what do you think about the permanent dh i know mr schmolt went off in his commentary um today on tuesday as we record this and he was not thrilled with that but i, I you know where are you at as far as the um you know the purest baseball type that you think the dh is bad for the game and everybody should be forced to hit
1: uh i i, I side on the purest side um but on the practicality side, it's time. It, it's time for the National League to adopt a DH. The American League is never going to get rid of the DH because the union won't allow it because that's going to cost people jobs. So the NL, I think, I think um, you need the uniformity, especially with the interleague play. Um, you've just got the leagues now playing each other so much, it's kind of silly to have different rules for different stadiums. Um, I, you know, personally, I'm the, I'm the old school baseball guy. I like having the pitcher hit. I think it invokes a lot more strategy in the game, but you know, at this point, people want to see offense. They don't want to see the pitcher yep. bunt and sacrifice somebody over to second yep. or not get his bunt down or strike out looking or whatever. So I or, I, or I get, get it. I get
0: it. Or get caught with two men on or the bases loaded and two outs and then the pitcher's up and you can kiss that inning goodbye and
1: and for anybody on the purist side and you know this is an argument against having a pitcher hit would you kind of like to have had jimmy nelson the last three years because if he Mm. hadn't been hitting he would have been pitching for the brewers and they might have won the world series so you know pitchers are kind of like kickers and punters they're they're athletic, but usually not athletes. You know what I mean? So yep. the less that we have them running around and sliding I think is probably, or, or standing in a batter's box with a dude throwing a 95 mile an hour seed at their <laughs> ribs. I think that's probably for the best.
0: Okay. Alright, a couple of other things before we get to the NBA. Um, I didn't read too much about this. I saw the headline this morning and I was going to talk about it, but I just couldn't fit it in with what I had. And there was a lot to to digest and it was kind of muddled a little bit I couldn't explain everything in the brief amount of time that I that I'm allowed but the the news now is that Zion Williamson apparently took benefits and is this one of those things where Ooh. adidas is involved
1: uh, I know I think all I, I, shocked. yeah I think they're all involved um, okay for, from what I understand like Zion uh, his stepdad is Basically, a, uh, a Levar Ball type guy without the bombacity, oh, but he, he's you know he's not talking stupid and going on TV and yelling, but he's just one of these guys that thinks he's a businessman because his kid's a good basketball player, and it's actually mm-hmm. his stepdad, so it's not even a biological thing. But I guess like this. Woman that came out and said that Zion took benefits is somebody that used to be associated with Zion, and they have since parted company. And I think Zion is suing her, so I think this is like her counter to that to say, "Well, yeah, but you took all these benefits, blah blah blah." It really doesn't matter for Zion because he's in the NBA. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. This, nobody can do anything to him. It's not an illegal thing for um, him to take money. At all, It's illegal according to the NCAA rules, but it's not a law. Um, you know, there was something about they wanted this woman wanted to subpoena him to have him testify under oath that he took benefits. I mean, OK, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it's just another thing in the cesspool of college recruiting and. Football back in the old days used to be the bad one, and it's it's become basketball. Right. It's just a cesspool. I mean, you know, you've got instances of um, agents, you know, quote unquote, bumping into a player's mom at the grocery store and and buying their groceries for them, and it, mm-hmm. it's all that kind of stuff. And, and really, it all boils down to the shoe companies. You know, um, it sounded like you know, like Duke's a Nike school. Zion grew up in South Carolina, everybody in South Carolina, high school, like everybody wears Adidas, so the Adidas people wanted him to go to Kansas, and and allegedly were going to pay him, but he ends up at Duke, and he wears Nike, and supposedly it's like, well, why would he go to Duke if he, he had to have gotten something to go to Duke, um, but then he goes to the NBA and he signs with Jordan, so he's not a Nike or an Adidas guy, it's just, I don't know, it, it's a much ado about nothing, it's kind of one of those stories that because there's nothing else going on it's kind of a thing um it's funny it's kind of led into the is college basketball in trouble conversation which happens every three months
0: (laughs) it seems I was just just gonna say it it seems to come back around when a coach gets in trouble or a university gets flagged for a bunch of violations because I think didn't Kansas just get hit with a Mm -hmm. bunch of stuff yeah and and Dickie
1: V tweeted something that there's two more power schools that are gonna get popped. I think Arizona's one because they were involved in that whole uh, court case with the wiretapping. and I think the, mm-hmm. I think the other one they were they were hinting at was maybe LSU if I if I, I'm not positive yeah. on that one, but I mean th- that really I don't think has any bearing on the trouble of college basketball. I mean the trouble of college basketball is that you've got guys going pro that have no business going pro. You know uh, mm-hmm. that that um, that Brendan Bailey kid on Marquette, who I think he averaged, yeah. he averages about eight points and three rebounds a game. Nice. Is, he's now he's he's quote unquote what? testing the waters. Um, and I get it. He's an, he's old. He's like twenty two because he went on a Mormon mission for a couple years, and his dad played in the NBA. So I get it. But it's like those are the guys that go pro that don't get picked, and that's that's what brings college basketball down it's not the like the one and done guys leaving really it's like you know if if after his sophomore year sam decker went pro like he wasn't going to get drafted he might have ended up in the g league but like everything about the badger program would have been worse off if he had done he would have been worse off and the program would have been worse off those are the those are the situations that are are hurting college hoops it's not the it's not the stars because those guys are going to get picked regardless. It's these guys on the fringes, you know, like... That don't
0: have any business.
1: Yeah, like, if Dimitri Trice just came out next week and was like, yeah, I'm for <laughs> I'm going pro, people would be like, start be like laughing. what? Why?
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, like, are you really well, excited I mean, to play for
1: the Sioux Falls team, like, in the G League?
0: Right. You, you bring up a good point about college basketball and recruiting and stuff like that, and now... I mean, California passed its own law about allowing, you know, players to make money. And now this name, image and likeness thing seems to be gaining traction where, you know, if you want to set up a table at Westtown and, uh, you know, um, Graham Mertz wants to, you know, sign autographs for 20 bucks a pop, you're able to do it. If you want to endorse car dealership, you know, they can you know, you can do it. You just can't use the the school logo or anything like that. So I'm, I'm just wondering if there's, if there's more trouble down the road and how this is going to get watched over and whether it's going to lead to, you know, recruiters saying, well, you know, you got a lot of chance to, chances to make a lot more money with some businesses and, you know, uh, the success of our program over here than you would say if you went somewhere else. So I, I'm just kind of curious to see how athletic directors and coaches are wary of this whole process as it keeps unfolding and it keeps looking like it's going to get done.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting um, because, like Graham Mertz, can set up a table and sign autograph sign autographed eight by tens for ten dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. But he can't be wearing his Badger jersey in the photo. Correct. They can't have the W on the pitcher. They can't have yep. anything on the table that says he's the Badger quarterback. It just is a pitcher. It'd be like, you know, it'd be like signing your senior pitcher or something. <laughs> so like I I don't, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if that's going to have a large market. You know, cuz at the end of the day, that kind of stuff is all driven by the dealers and Mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, the memorabilia guys. And it's like, is, is a photo of, um, what's the kid at Clemson quarterback Lawrence is is a photo of him leaning on his car in a jean jacket (laughs) autographed by him. Is that worth, is that worth more than, I don't know. Uh, his, him in a, in an Eagles uniform doing it as a rookie. Like, I don't know. I I don't know what the market is, No, but really all you and I care about is the video game stuff. Yep. And I've heard some little bit of negative stuff about like how that game doesn't make any money for EA, the college football game, which I don't understand how that's possible.
0: That's shocking to me. And I don't know the particulars. And I talked about it like a month or two ago when, This whole thing started, and I I really was searching for stuff to talk about, and I don't know how that the name, image, and likeness, because that's basically what that is what ultimately killed that game to begin with. And now it's allowed, but, I mean, everybody jumps the route and says, well, good, you know, NCAA college football can come back. And everybody says that game is dead in the water. It's never being resurrected. But, again, I don't know how you would – negotiate and and what the deal is on how players would be compensated for appearing in that big game considering there is so many of them that you'd have to include again I don't know the particulars but it it doesn't seem like the return of that game even with the name image and likeness getting um you know approved is going to happen at all
1: yeah because I I would just think that you would have to pay the schools, obviously, to use their well, yeah. their Logos name, their logo, their stadium, all that kind of stuff. But like, other than the current players that are in college at the time the game comes out, like as you get into like more seasons, like everybody's made up anyway. You yep. know, like
0: yeah, you would only need to you would only need to have the you know who's ever the you know the the red shirt freshman all the way to red shirt seniors. And you know,
1: and, and in theory, couldn't you just say, "Well, we'll just make up people for the Badgers"? Like, Why, do, why does it? Why do I need to call? I don't need to have the quarterback have the same exact measurables and attributes as Graham Mertz. I could just yeah. have him be a good quarterback and have him be a different, have him be black instead of white or whatever. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That was yeah. just always one of those things where it's like, well, can't they just make all the players fake? I don't. I don't know.
0: I, no, I don't know. I I don't know. All right, um, let's keep trucking. We're we're already moving. We haven't made it very far. Um, I I saw videos on Twitter of Mike Tyson. God, practice. You know, and, and like and I, I don't. I, what is going on? Well,
1: there was a video of him like training.
0: Yeah, and that I was say practicing. That's the wrong
1: right. Word. And and somebody put it on social media, and of course you know anytime you see tyson in a boxing ring it's kind of like you kind of have to watch it yeah you know and and he was he looked really good for 50 whatever years old he is and so of course that leads to the speculation of is he going to come back i did hear that there was some 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 offshoot boxing company that offered him like 10 million bucks to come back. Uh, um and then that led to Holyfield, Evander Holyfield also is going to box in some exhibition and I think he's almost 60. He's like he's like 57 or 58 and he's it's I mean come on man. Like no. I know I know the MJ Doc is out and everybody wants to, you know he came out of retirement twice and everybody no, you're too old. You're too yep. old.
0: Sorry. And and, and that's and that's how you get hurt. Yes. Or or or, or like permanently damaged.
1: I mean Mike Tyson yeah, no. is Mike Tyson has kind of turned himself around into a a somewhat lovable monster.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like he he's, makes he's, appearances. He's and, in the hangover.
1: Yeah. He's on yeah. Jimmy Kimmel. He's got his you know, I think he grows his own weed and has a weed store out <laughs> in California. Like so he's doing good. It's like why you want to get in the ring and get punched in the head a hundred times i don't get it uh, unless you're unless you're broke that'd be the really only well, reason and that
0: that it seems like a lot of those guys with the big entourages that got money right away are now are now you know trying to get every cent. i mean you hear a lot of a lot of guys that are showing up in vegas just for autographs mm-hmm. things because they can make a couple bucks and that it's kind of sad because you know for all of their their playing or professional careers or what have you they they either invested poorly or didn't plan out now they're needing money like if the like all the retirement is run out. Right kind of thing. But uh I, yeah, those guys can, can stay away. You put in the in, in the notes something about the two thousand eight brewers. Why did you why do we want to talk well, about that?
1: Similar to Easter, Mother's Day is oh yeah is a brewer day. For for me and my my family it's it's a brewer day.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And Obviously with no games on, they were running some, some old games and um Sunday morning they had the the Bill Hall game on. Um yep. and then around noon they had the 08 game where Sabathia they're at Pittsburgh late in the year and Sabathia threw the one hitter that should have been the no hitter. So I watched that. I watched some of that game, and then in the afternoon they had the 08 um, last game of the regular season against the Cubs, when the Brewers um, won and, and were able to go to the playoffs. And I watched a good. I watched like the last four innings of that game because I, I was at that game. Um, not not sober, but I was there, and uh, <laughs> like I, there was a lot of stuff that went on that I had completely forgotten about. Um, the Brewers. Mike Cameron led off for the Brewers in the first inning with a hit, and they didn't get a hit again until the seventh inning. Uh, They had the bases loaded with one out in the seventh, and the only run they scored was on a walk. Uh, Council walked, and uh, I think Ray Durham scored. And then in the uh, eighth inning, Cameron gets a hit, and Ray Durham comes up. And he hits one to right field, and it's before they redesigned, you know, the beer pen that's out in right field there yeah. that's on ground level. Well, this is before they yeah, they kind of reconfigured it, so there were some weird angles in 08, and he hit it into this deep angle kind of in where it starts to become right center field, and the guy for the Cubs caught it, where now it's probably a home run. Mm-hmm. I had totally forgotten about Good. that happening. Because the very next pitch, Braun hits the homer. So, like Ray Durham was about three feet away from being the hero of that game, and the Braun thing never happens. But the coolest part—I remember. Yeah, go
0: ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I remember being on Milton Avenue, just passing the mall when Braun hit that homer, and I was screaming. Yeah. And I, I floored it on the way to Best Buy. Um, because I wanted to find some place with TVs, because I knew they would have it, because I wanted to watch the end of the game. It's the loudest thing I've Yes, and I and I remember not being able to hear Euchre on my car radio mm-hmm. at all be, because he was being drowned out. And I got to Best Buy just in time, and I think this is right to see Derek Lee bounce into a ground or a, a, a double play yep. to end the game. And yeah. I was one of, like, four people at Best Buy watching the TVs. who were going bonkers, and people were just giving us looks. I mean, I
1: had kind of forgotten. It's. I mean, this is 12 years ago, so it's understandable. I had kind of mm-hmm. forgotten how goddamn cool the Sabathia experience was. Like, watching, yeah. him, watching him that game, there, there's a play. I think he ends the top of the eighth inning barehanding a comebacker on his, like, 105th pitch. That's awesome. You know, like, the pitch before, he throws, like, a 95-mile-an-hour dart on the corner, and the next pitch, he's barehanded a comebacker to end the <laughs> inning. And then Swaim, because he really has no choice. Dale Swaim's the manager at the time because they had just fired Yost. Swaim, really with no choice, has to allow Sabathia to lead off the eighth inning in a tie game, in a must-win game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He allows him to bat, which, you know, turn, turns out to work well in the Brewers' favor, but, like, You've probably never seen that happen in baseball since then. That a manager would allow a pitcher, a starting pitcher, right. to lead off the eighth inning in a tie game. Um, but it got me. I just, I just did a quick, quick look back on a couple things like that. Yost firing. I didn't like it then. I, I almost don't like it more now. I mean, they were really struggling. They were five and a half up going into September, and they they completely shit their pants, and that's why Yost Mm -hmm. got fired. I mean, you could chalk it up to Atanasio being a young owner and kind of being a little desperate, and they had made the Sabathia trade, so they couldn't afford to not make it. But, man, they fired that dude with eight games left.
0: I know, and then and then the Swame hire kind of gave him a little shot in the arm. Well, but they went they
1: they him. lost they lost four of five after they fired him.
0: I know, which, which was, was crazy, cool. right? So that that kind of, but I mean, the players loved him so much that they were glad that he was at least in charge, and that he didn't get the job mm-hmm. later, and that pissed everybody off,
1: and they all hated Kanmaka. So, right. yeah, that was a that was a poor decision. I had forgotten, you know, I remembered that Sheets got hurt and wasn't able to pitch in the playoffs. Um, he basically got hurt in the second-to-last game of the year, and he never pitched for the Brewers again. Um, I have always maintained, I think if they go into the postseason with Sheets with healthy, of them. I think they win the National League um, because they lose to the Phillies who end up winning the National League and go on to win the title against uh that diamondback team yep. that was kind of, you know, kind of fluky. But man, that was uh that was a hell of a run the Brewers had. That that last week with Braun when he hit the I think he hit like a grand slam in Pittsburgh. Um and then a couple days later he gets the Homer against the Cubs. That was just that was fun to kind of go back and read a couple articles about. That was that was a hell of a a season. And weren't you at the first Sabathia start, isn't that right? Uh-
0: I was just going to bring that up. I was working in West Bend at the time, which was still owned by what was then bliss communications. And I called my general manager who at the time, Bob Bailey, um, a Wisconsin broadcast hall of famer. And I said, Hey, is anybody, and I think I might've called him the day before when, when we figured out when Sabathia was going to get his first start. And, he, and I said, is anybody using the Brewer tickets for tomorrow night? And it was a week night. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I don't think so. And I don't think anybody there really had understood the gravity of what had happened and asked for the tickets because most of them had been distributed throughout, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season to clients and then allotted for contests and stuff like that. So I called him and I said, is there any way you can get me those for tomorrow night or whatever? And he said, well, you can't come here and, and grab them, you know, before you go. And I said, not really. He goes, well, well let me work on this. He had called over there and told him, you know, they're an affiliate and we can't, you know, my guy, these tickets, can you print up a duplicate and he'll grab them at we'll call. So me and my, my news guy who also d- did sports games, Bob Door, um, we both went down after work and we got there just before first pitch, right? Like right after we signed off, we got in. And I was really surprised there were not more people there for his first start.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think people quite understood how good no. he was.
0: Exactly, and like I, he and I sat down, and there were a bunch of seats around us that were open on those good. I mean, you know where our brewer tickets mm-hmm. are for the station, and it's like, why are not more people here? Yeah, and we we could we couldn't figure that out, but it was cool. I at least got to see him pitch at least one game in person in a Brewers uniform. Yeah,
1: that was uh, that was a hell of a year, so, man. Cool. That was a good time.
0: All right, let's move to the NBA. Why don't you go through these notes real quick? I know yeah. you already talked about the timeline and Adam Silver and not being really stoked about um, you know where this is headed, but go ahead and run through these quick before we get to the NFL. Well,
1: yesterday I told you I was as pessimistic as I've been through this yeah. whole thing after some things that I heard about his conference call with the players last week. Um, but then I heard some things today that had me a little bit more encouraged. It appears that he's kind of lowered the bar on the testing. Um, you know, before it was, they didn't want to take tests away from the general population. Now, uh, he made the comment. They didn't want to take the tests away from the frontline workers, which is, that's a, that's Mm -hmm. a big difference. Um, They also touched on if a player did contract and tested positive for it, they would just remove the player, test everybody that he had come in contact with, and act accordingly. They wouldn't shut the whole thing down, which was encouraging. Um, You know, they got into some of the the stuff with the CBA going forward. Um, They did admit that about 40% of their revenue is um, game day stuff, whether it's the gate, parking um, merchandising, food, all of that stuff that that attributes about forty percent of their their revenue each year. Which I was a little surprised that it was that high. Um, they're still kind of leaning towards the Orlando Vegas bubble thing, um, right. which again kind of goes back to you know being a little there. It's a little too wishy washy. Um, the problem that I heard yesterday when I was listening to something that got me pessimistic was the owners are having a difficult time agreeing on how to come back. Um, about half of the owners are on board with the bubble playing in a in one locale. About another half of them are like, well, if we're going to open this up, why are we not playing in our own markets? Um it's kind of silly to have to pick up every pick up our whole organization and take it to Florida when we could do it just as safely here in, in, in their minds. So it seems like that's a little bit of a sticking point. Um, Again, you've got the union issue. There was some, a little bit of whining from Chris Paul, who's the players uh, who's the president of the players union and Michelle Roberts, who's the rep for the players union kind of, whining about that you can't force us back and you know get over it um again it's time to it's time to step up to the plate and do it's right and not quite worry about yourselves all the time um so they did do a player vote today and allegedly it was overwhelming that the players want to return and return soon and like, they named, you know, uh, Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Durant, Kyrie. Like, they were all yes votes to we need to get back to playing. So that's that's very encouraging because mm-hmm. I was a little bit worried about some of these guys, um, the older, richer player that's probably not going to win a title. You know, I, I, I was a little concerned right, whether or not they want to come back yeah, for this
0: whole thing. Yeah,
1: you know, uproot their life for six weeks for what? A, you know, so right. Um, in the PR thing, it's it's the same thing with all these le- leagues. But I heard a good point today. You haven't really heard a lot of uproar from people nationally about UFC and the WWE still doing their events. It really hasn't. You heard a little bit of rumbling about the WWE when it first happened because it was so early. But the UFC put on a big show on Saturday night that seemed to go off without a hitch, and everybody really enjoyed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like we talked about last week. So this is not going to be perfect. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to get this virus that are athletes and you're just going to have to deal with it. But I think at the end of the day, um, it would behoove everybody if these guys can find a way to just get back to playing much sooner than later. And this is definitely the worst year in the history
0: of the NBA. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously, I
1: mean, but people forget like they had that whole thing at the beginning of the year with China and the Chinese right. I, I, did yep, you see I the thing you with, did that. you see the thing today with the Chinese um national tv network came out and uh and said that they're still not going to air any nba games until the nba I, is uh, I saw the deals headline. yeah deals with daryl Morey? um which basically means they want the nba to make houston fire their general manager which just ain't gonna happen. Um, but it's been a been a rough year for the league. Hopefully they can get back and uh Bucks that's can Bucks can make with, a run.
0: That's tough with Yao Ming being, you know, involved with that and him making, you know, so many waves in the NBA and then he has to go back and basically say, "Yeah, we don't want anything to do with you guys," even though I played for a long time there. That that puts him in a tough spot, but obviously he's not going to go against his home country.
1: No, exactly. Um, do you, do you, do you want to hit the NFL stuff or should we save it?
0: Um, why don't we, why don't we save it? I know we're, we are closing in on, you know, 20 minutes. I know there's a lot you probably want to get through about the Jordan stuff. I just watched the two episodes today. Um, well, yeah, we can run thing. through,
1: we can run through as much as, as you want. you you got it fresh in your mind. So I'm sure you've got some thoughts and questions and, uh, we can save yeah, I mean, the, we can, we can save, save the schedule yeah. stuff for later and. You and I were talking about maybe even doing an over under pod one of these yeah. weeks on on uh, on all the teams just you know just for shits and giggles if we if we need some time to fill so
0: I mean obviously we can do probably a whole episode on the NFL yeah. schedule if we really want yeah. so we'll, we'll, um, we'll hit it
1: don't worry folks.
0: Okay. Yeah, um as far as episode 7 and 8 of the of, of the Jordan Doc I've I've told it it has seemed to chronologically from what I've heard from people get better each week. Um, I mean the the episode seven um dove into, you know, the the, the the retirement, the baseball, stuff like that. Then episode eight there was, you know, the comeback and uh, you know, stuff so it's I mean like it's cool that they that they got into some of that. The stuff for his dad was, was really tough to to watch, but um it's weird the the thing i took away from it and i know that you had said something and i had asked you about it and and i've seen some other people on twitter that jordan was very very hesitant about all this stuff coming out because he didn't know how it would make him look and he was worried about his image and stuff like that and it's it's really weird like i've gone through this whole thing and my opinion of him has not changed and if anything it kind of gone up a little bit as far as respect for him and yeah he treats his you know some of his teammates that you know he he, he dogs him a little bit he razzes them. there's a little bit of hazing kind of going on there and there's there's some things that are just downright cruel as far as from a from a competitive spirit where you're just like dude lay off the guy or whatever but I mean the guy wants to win and he wants everybody else to win with him it's not just about him he wants you to do your best so that everybody can win. I don't know. I don't think he comes off looking like such a horrible guy in this whole thing as some people were prognosticating. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. Um, you know, I, and, and I'm with you on the fact that I think I like him more today than I did three weeks ago. And I liked him a very, very much three weeks ago. Um, he, I've been really pleased and, and pleasantly surprised with his candor and his, his realness in the end of episode seven, when he's talking about his teammates and he gets choked Great up, yep. um, you know, that, that whole little uh, speech he gives at the end, like, you know, if you've ever played sports and you've ever been on a good team and you've ever, ever played with good people, um, that mentality is kind of universal. Like, winning has a price, um, and sometimes it might be in the pros. Maybe you sacrifice some money to go to a better team, or you sacrifice your playing time. Or you know, it, it, uh, at a on a high school team, maybe you know you take on the roles the defensive stopper or whatever the case may be. There, there's a price to pay, and you know if you wanted to play with Michael Jordan and win titles and be talked about in 20, 30, 40 years, like he said, you had to play my way or get the hell out of there. And that's not – I mean, it's an old-school mentality, but it shouldn't be. I mean, you know I'm a big history guy, and it kind of got me like – Like, if you think back about, like, great generals in history, like Grant and Sherman and um, uh, MacArthur and Patton, like, these guys had times, like, Patton slapped a soldier that was (laughs) suffering from battle fatigue. He slapped him in the face and called him a a chicken. But, like, his men loved him. Like, they they would go through the depths of hell for him because they knew that everything he was doing was to prepare them for that ultimate moment, whatever it was. And, you know, people don't like the sports war analogies, but that's kind of what Jordan was doing. And he even said it when they talked about the Kerr fight, like you coddling him in practice, what the hell is going to, how's that going to help when Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing knock him into the third row? How's that going to help? You
0: know, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but what I really love, and maybe it was at the end of that whole thing where it said, well, where somebody was talking like, "Why do you have to be this way?" or whatever about winning and whatever, and it's like, well, that's you. Yeah, you haven't won anything. Yeah, and I, I, I thought that was that was really really poignant. I thought that that was great. Well, that that might be yours, but I've won stuff by doing this. What have you done? Nothing.
1: It's it's no different than in anybody's workplace in America. Some people have micromanagers. Some people have hands-off managers. Um, Some people have managers that are kind of bullies. Um, Michael Jordan's management style was to be a hard ass. And Scottie Pippen even said it. like They needed somebody to be the asshole. Scottie didn't want to be the asshole. Steve Kerr said it in the documentary, They lo- everybody on the team loves Scotty. He's just a nice dude, nice southern country laid-back dude. And Jordan had no problem being the asshole because he knew that at the end of the day they were going to achieve their goal. Um, so I thought that I, there was just some moments in, in I, I think it was the same episode when they're they're talking about Jordan playing baseball, and mm-hmm. and Terry Francona. I've I've heard him in a couple other interviews. You know they didn't include in this one. Where like he basically has said like Michael Jordan absolutely loves baseball and he has so much respect for the game and for baseball players. Like there was one instance where I I heard Francona tell a story that like Jordan like popped out or grounded out back to the pitcher and he just kind of trotted to first base. This is like early in the season. And Francona said to him, hey, Mike, is that how this is going to be? And Jordan looked at him and said, it'll never fucking happen again. And Francona said, from that day on, never happen again. So there's a lot of respect you know, from those guys and the work ethic. And listening to his trainer talk about, building his body from a basketball player to a baseball player and then back to a basketball player and the trainer getting choked up right that was like whoa
0: some of the baseball stuff was really interesting as far as the as the as the preparedness and the fact that they didn't throw him a fastball for you know you know a bunch of weeks and just try to get him out on curveballs and he would go to the curveball pitching machine He'd hit before the game, then he'd go to the game, or he'd hit before practice, and then they'd have practice, and then he'd hit after the game or after practice, and then he'd finally whatever. And just the fact that some of these guys and the managers and and, and, and the executives were impressed that this dude could go to double-A and hit over 200. Yeah, Tony even brought it up in his interview saying that there are there were top prospects that got to double-A and couldn't hit 200.
1: I saw a couple of friends of mine on Facebook the last couple days saying how trash Michael Jordan was at baseball, and he only hit like 210. It's like, did you not listen to what what the World Series managing Terry Francona Correct. said about Michael Jordan? Like, he, he doesn't have to say any of this. Like, what the no. hell is he getting out of it? He's telling you that going one out of five in baseball, one out of three is like a superstar in the major mm-hmm. leagues. He was going one out of five. That ain't bad because most people would go one out of 25. Right. You know? So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, uh, our boy Scotty Pippen has not looked good in this documentary.
0: No. And I, I thought it was, I mean, and, and I was, while we were doing other stuff and I couldn't watch it on Sunday night, um, I did, um, I did catch some of it um on Twitter while people were commenting while they were watching it and I, I saw the the, the, the Pippin clip where he said that, you know, he immediately regretted it and he apologized and they moved forward. But then in the same breath he said if he's prevented with the same presented with the same situation, he'd have done the same thing. It's like well what did you learn from that then?
1: That's just like that superstar ego that's just there's just, with a lot of guys like that, there's just an unwillingness to admit fault. It's like, dude, yeah. you, you, you screwed up. It was a bad thing to do. Everybody forgave you. You did move on. Even if you don't mean it, just be like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that.
0: It's right, like, it's and then like, just leave like, it at
1: that. It's like the Isaiah Thomas no handshake thing. Just say, right. yeah, I shouldn't have done that. 20 yep. years ago, I, I, I was a young man. I, I was in the midst of competition. I was highly emotional. I shouldn't have done that. I regret it. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Everybody would be fine. Mm-hmm. But yep. these guys, I don't know. They, they can't do it. But I had heard most of those stories about that. I had heard the you know Cartwright crying in the locker room. and all. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not sure any NBA player would cry in the locker room now. Because a player quit on them that way, I I, oh, no. I just think it's that's that, a different that breed.
0: Yes, yeah, that would be taken totally different today. How
1: did you feel about the whole um the the whole Steve Kerr fight thing? Because it seems like for the and especially for the last couple of years, they've talked about it a ton on ESPN because you know Kerr's been relevant with coaching the Warriors, but mm-hmm. like, people in the media have made a really really big deal out of that fight and. Like, I don't get it. Like, what do you think? Like, do you think it's a big deal? Is that even interesting to you?
0: Um, I, I mean, not really. I, I thought it was more pointed about what, what Jordan said to, to Phil and what, and what and what Phil was doing about, you know, calling cheapy fouls and whatever and, and then Jordan bitching at him because he was being protected and stuff like that. And, and that, and like what Jordan said when he called, her and he, and he apologized, and it's not about you or, or whatever. But I like the fact that he stood his ground because a lot of guys, like, you know, he mentioned, they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, Burrell just kind of smiled and let him walk all over him, and he never really stood up for himself. Whereas, if he did that and he would have done something like that, maybe Jordan would have left him alone. I mean, don't, don't take this, you know, out of context. Jordan was a bully to that Burrell guy, and I don't think it was because he wanted to make him better. I think it's because Burrell just let him pick on him, and he never did anything about it. That's the kind of shit that people did in school to some people. And you just kept doing it because nobody stopped it. The person didn't stand up for themselves. Kerr finally did that. And like Jordan said, it made their relationship better and he gained more respect for him. So it's like you stand up to a bully and that's generally what happens. They'll leave you alone because they realize that maybe they don't want to do that anymore. Um, but I, I thought it was a cool thing, but it's, it's, to me, it's no more than another, I, you hear about it in the NFL all the time, in training camp, you know, offense and defense. Two guys go at it, and then it's fine. They drop it. They know temper's flaring and whatever, and the reason's this, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's fine. It's just two teammates getting into a scrap. I think they made it out to be a bigger deal than it really was, but I like the fact that they're tighter for it. Yeah, I I don't
1: think I was on a basketball team that didn't have a fight during the season at some point. Right. Um, you know, I'm not saying anybody was getting knocked out, but like, you know, pushing, shoving, talking shit, couple couple punches thrown, like things happen. Um, yeah. I don't I think maybe the fact that Kerr was this little white unathletic dude and Michael Jordan was, <laughs> you know, is god and it was like like you said, it was perceived as like a big bully thing, but it, 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 even Kerr didn't, it wasn't that way. And I know, I mean, Wilbon, I was listening to him on Kornheiser's podcast uh, today. He even said, because he, he knows these, all these people in this quite well. Right. Like BJ Armstrong and Steve Kerr are like two of Michael Jordan's closest friends. So, like, when they're telling that story about Jordan uh, getting pissed off at B.J. Armstrong for kind of talking shit when they beat him in that playoff game and then him coming back, like, right. that's like, that was like Jordan beating on his little brother, you know, and the thing with Kerr, the, the fight le- led to this great relationship with Kerr, um, and even Scott mm. Burrell, I know Scott Burrell and Jordan are, are tight, so... You know, those guys, they took it. Some Sometimes they fought back. Sometimes they didn't. But I think at the end of the day, because they were successful, they, they understood it. Because there were some guys in, like, the late 80s that played on the Bulls. Um, like, Brad Sellers is a famous one. Um, he went to Wisconsin and then ended up going to Ohio State and was a lottery pick. And he didn't pan out, and basically Jordan just – kind of pushed him out of the league, more or less. I mean, he just was relentless on this guy. And if you read the Jordan rules, there was a lot of that with Horace Grant early on. So it was a pattern with Jordan. It's something that he believes made him successful, whether it did or it didn't, who knows? You know, it's that was his style. Like, LeBron puts his arm around you, Michael Jordan punches you in the eye. I mean, that's... That's really that at the at the end of the Michael Jordan LeBron argument. I mean, like that's really the core difference between those guys. You know, right. LeBron wants to have you over for Thanksgiving dinner. Michael's just like, I don't I don't want to eat. Let's just win. Let's just whatever game we're playing, we're going to win it. Mm-hmm.
0: So no, I, I again that 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 all goes back to, to the respect thing and the focus. Like you know, we're here. We might as well win. You know, kind of thing. That's that that's why we're playing. Um, let's let's go to episode eight and I know we, we already touched you you touched on the, the basketball or the baseball body and the and trainer getting choked up and then they they go back to the 95 playoffs and, and they lost to the magic mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. yeah which by the way those uniforms I remember loving them way back in the day the and, blues uh, yeah yeah those are money. I thought those were so good
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I, I didn't realize that an offshoot of the whole space jam thing, was a lot of those pickup games with some of the some of the really good players, and I thought it was really interesting where they organized those. And a lot of people were like he wanted to scout, he wanted to, yeah. he wanted to see what what everybody else was doing and what he needed to work on and what he needed to prepare for. I thought that was that was really keen. But it's that's one of those things like the Olympic teams when when they were you know scrimmaging right. against each other. That would have been so cool to just sit in the gym and just watch them.
1: I've heard Reggie Miller say it on the Dan Patrick show and, and maybe in episode nine when they get into the Bulls Pacers uh, stuff, he'll say it again. But like uh, Reggie has said, I don't know how Michael Jordan conned us into doing that and and going there because <laughs> he, he did. He was there to scout these guys like it, yeah. but like Reggie said. He goes, we we got him back in shape. We showed him all our shit and then he kicked our ass.
0: Like, right. Because uh, could, could we be that, any stupider. That '96 team, they just ran through everybody. Yep. And and then they got, and then they, they focused on that Magic team again, and, and he got even asked to press, uh, you know, in the press coverage right before he even sat down. Was that a little bit of a you know a payback or a you know a motivation for you or whatever? And it's like they just smoked everybody um, in that, and that like a lot of people said even that season that they thought that that was probably the best NBA team of all time. I don't
1: think it is. Okay. Um, I don't even know that it's his best Bulls team. Um, oh, all right, but that's that's an argument for another day. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny to watch. I mean, that the '96 team was like, I don't know that 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 whole season was like uh, it was like a rock tour, like because nobody, you know, when Jordan came back in '95, he only played like seventeen regular season games. So I mean, right, what he maybe, yeah. So maybe he went to like seven or eight cities. Like so, in '96, like people were dying to see him in person. Um, matter of fact, they won the seventy their seventieth game to break the record was at the Bradley Center against the Bucks. Um, oh, wow. But yeah, that uh, that whole season was impressive. Winning the '72, they dominate in the playoffs, and then it leads up to the culmination um, of the finals, which. They the had some pretty funny stuff in it when uh, Jordan tells the story about George Carl snubbing him at the restaurant.
0: Oh yeah, and and Madrashad's like that ain't gonna turn out well. No,
1: and you know, and Michael Jordan, and the other thing I've learned, you've I've learned, I kind of already knew, but I've it's really been driven home in this documentary is like Michael Jordan is loyal, and he said in the documentary, like I went to North Carolina. George went to North North Carolina. Like he knows how it goes. Like no matter what, we're Tar Heels. Like you say hello, shake hands, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I heard George Carl was in, had was interviewed yesterday, and he said, "I told my players don't talk to Jordan before, during, or after the series. Don't piss him off." He goes, "So I couldn't be the one to." He goes, I didn't want to be the one to go over and say something to him, so I abide by my own rules, and I still piss him off.
0: Yeah, but that, like, it's so contrary then to what all was happening with, like, Magic and Bird and some of those other earlier um, seasons when he was just kind of up and coming where they'd play cards and they'd golf and they'd shoot the shit, and then they'd go play that night or the next night, and it's like, now it's like, well, we can't talk to him. Well, if you're going to stop the guy, then he's just going to get pissed. Like, you, you really need to hand him more motivation than he already has. That that doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
1: And that's what it just boils down to is Michael just trying to find ways to jack himself up. Um and then I thought his his reaction to the Gary Payton comments were, were
0: oh my god
1: were great. I mean, it's, if if you go back and look at the stats from the three games that Payton guarded him, like Jordan did not shoot the ball very well, um, but he did. You know, he his other numbers were great. His assists, his steals, his rebounds, and all that. But even he said like he had other things on his mind. And I had forgotten that that game six in ninety six was on Father's Day when when they won the title. And you got to see the interview with Ahmad, where, you know, and and it was cool that Ahmad was the guy doing it because he's, he's asking Jordan a question that he knows Michael's going to struggle with. And you can kind of see Ahmad kind of, you know, like your dad or somebody or a big brother would do kind of like rubbing your neck. You know what I mean? Kind of like that, that. like that comfort grip, like, Hey man, I'm with you. I got you. And, uh, You know, and then the the end of the episode with him. Yep, we had Cut always seen back. we had always seen the famous picture of him laying on his stomach in the locker room crying.
0: But just to hear him, lob,
1: him, that was yep. uh, man. I mean, I don't know if you could have ended two episodes better than they ended these two, but um, mm-hmm. you know you certainly got the feels going and i can't wait till these next two you get into the 98 eastern conference finals against uh uh the pacers which was just a war and then we're going to get to see the flu game in 97 which i think is probably the greatest game i've ever seen a player play under the circumstances but that'll be fun to hear the hear the story and the legend of how sick he really was that game
0: <laughs> right no, and I, I, I can't believe that the thing's over already. I mean, I don't it know whether they're going to space it out for for one episode originally, and now they just chose to combine the two now that there's no sports. But, I mean, we're, you know, six weeks, and we're done. I mean, it's like, really?
1: I'm really anxious. I mean, you know, this is the basketball nerd in me. I'm really anxious to watch it again because I think, you know, when you're, when you're watching it, you know, it's like a movie. You miss stuff. You know, the first right. time through, yep. you, you missed some stuff. And um, I, I, I'm i anxious to go back and watch it in its entirety. I didn't want to go back and watch it, you know, right after they happened. I'd like to have no. all 10 come out and watch them and yep. then be able to go back and watch the whole thing. But
0: um, Go binge a little bit.
1: Yeah, two more to go.
0: Man, well, hopefully we'll be able to find more stuff. And maybe we'll get closer to sports actually happening. So, um, so. I know you have. Had a an overrated underrated, but why don't we save yeah, that for the football for sure. stuff as well? So
1: we'll hit football hard next week. Um, right. I did glance at the schedules briefly. Um, I think the Packers and the Bears are going to be pretty close in the standings. I have a feeling Packers Packers yeah, got a pretty they got a little the, bit of a gauntlet there. They got to oh, go man, through those
0: those first eight games, and I and I. It's funny. I wrote I wrote all my commentaries for the entire week. Uh, in the first two days of the week, like they're already in the can for for Wednesday and Thursday. And on Wednesday, I talk about the 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 Packers schedule. Um, and I mean, it's not going to matter. I'm not going to give anything away, and, and we can dive into it, um, you know, more in detail when we talk. But I got them going nine and seven.
1: Yep, that's what I had them too.
0: That's what I had um, and them too. I, I, I mean. When, 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 when it originally came out, I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, best-case scenario, if everything goes well like it did last season, you could probably talk me into 13-3, and three, but none of that stuff is going to happen the way it did last year.
1: No, you're going to have some regression, for sure.
0: Exactly, and some teams are going to be better. There's a big difference in the schedule. So maybe realistically, you get nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and and then you're you're going to figure out whether that's good enough to win the division or get to a wild card. But then you got to factor in everybody else. So that's and I and I go kind of game by game and, and just my really brief thoughts on on what's going on. And then on uh, on Thursday, I'm going to talk about leaving the the whole Bliss building behind. Yeah, the 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 Gazette building. I mean, I started there when I was 19 years old, oh. 21 years ago. Wow doing part-time stuff
1: doesn't it kind of make you want to throw up
0: a little bit yeah it's just exactly. like it's
1: like jesus christ i've been working that long
0: Ugh. <laughs> and i have very little show for it. jesus <laughs> yeah well you got so me you, are- you
1: got me as a partner so
0: yeah well that's it's that honestly and uh, you know i try not to blow smoke up your ass whenever i can but it's one of the best things to ever come out of of getting this job
1: well, that a buck fifty'll get you a coke, buddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't paying no buck fifty for no coke.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else?
0: No, I don't. I gotta go play a, a, a game with my family, and then I'm gonna watch an episode of uh, Ozark, and then I'm gonna go to bed.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I got three seasons left, I think, before I I have to retire in college football. We're, I'm getting there, folks. <laughs> I've won five straight national titles. I've won like 72 straight games, like 80 at yeah. home in a row. It's getting it's getting ridiculous. So I got to finish up, move on, move All on right. in life. <sighs>
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us again. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully. With uh, we'll try to get a little football heavy. We'll we'll have to hit the last two episodes of the Last Dance, but. I'm kinda of coroned out, so I want to talk then, about yeah, some fun
0: stuff. Hope, hopefully we'll be in studio, both of us. Yes,
1: definitely. Definitely. So all right. Well all right. I'm Dan. I'm Josh. We'll catch you next week. Go, Go sports. sports.